With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. This is the Lombardi Line on a Monday. The show, as always, presented by DraftKings alongside former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Stormy Bonatoni with you. Heck of a divisional round weekend. And all of those results are now in the books. Most notably, what transpired last night. My goodness, the Kansas City Chiefs win 27-24 as a two-and-a-half, three-point dog, depending on the number that you had. And Patrick Mahomes, Michael, does not know a world in which he is an NFL (laughs) starter and is not playing for an AFC championship. Another big win for them. Well, I think, you know, it was a great win for Kansas City, the way they changed their team over the last month. When Mm. we saw them on Christmas Day against the Raiders, their offense was slow. It was ineffective. You know, they weren't committed to the run. Their offensive line was playing horribly. And all that changed. I mean, it changed against a bad Cincinnati defense, and we really weren't sure, was that the right thing? And then last week against Miami, everybody kind of, pushed it under the umbrella of, well, Miami doesn't have any players. They're missing all their guys, and they probably had their best day offensively. But we nobody really wanted to give it a lot of credibility. And yesterday, within 22 minutes, they scored 27 points. They're in third down five times only. They averaged 6.1 yards a rush, and Mahomes is sensational. Just sensational. I mean, putting the ball in, in the most perfect – I mean, he missed a couple throws – Kelsey in the back of the end zone. Uh, I think he missed Scantling on a sail route back of the corner of the right end zone. But for the most part, I mean, he played perfect. And this chief offensive line, which has been maligned, improved. And they dominated. Really, the game shouldn't have come down to that kick. Let's face it, if they fall on the fumble by Allen or if they don't decide to, for whatever reason, put Hardman in the game, they win that game. They win that game. So... Look, credit to them. Their defense, it's, it's living proof that if you run the ball and don't make explosive plays, you can't score points. And Buffalo ran the ball effectively, but their longest pass play of the day was 15 yards. Yeah, and, and speaking of that kick, by the way, too, with how much mm-hmm. time was left on the clock, let's say Buffalo does make the field goal and tie it. Still plenty of time on a day that you couldn't get a stop for Patrick Mahomes to just lead them down the field and try to get in field goal range once again. But, but before we get to the Bills side of this, because there are so many layers to unpack from Buffalo and obviously another situation where they're out early in the postseason with a roster that you feel is made with Super Bowl aspirations, because you talked about the improvement of Kansas City's offense but to your point Miami and their defense and how many injuries that they had had pile up now they face a Buffalo team that has had a lot of injuries pile up like they had a non-existent linebacker room the Baltimore Ravens defensively are going to be a different test coming up does that worry you for Casey Sure it does. Plus, now, you know, Mike McDonald, the defense coordinator for the Ravens, he kind of has a sense of who they are, who the Chiefs are now, right? Like, they're back to the old school West Coast. They're going to try to, I don't want to say nickel and dime you, but they're going to be patient. They're going to run the football. They're going to take advantage of some of their play action stuff. Kelsey had six targets, five catches last night, got down the field a little bit. So, like, Mahomes is no longer looking to hold the ball and make explosive plays. They got him corrected. They got him straightened out to where now, okay, we're going to throw it here, going to throw it there. No, this is what we're doing. 
And so he kind of can work off of it, right? He can work off that game plan and go from there. So I think it'll be a much harder test, obviously, because at the end of the day, everybody's going to talk about the missed field goal. Everybody's going to talk about no passing plays. But really, this game comes down to why did Buffalo lose? Their defensive line never could get control of the game. This is two two playoff games in a row where their defensive line was non-existent. They gave up 6.1 yards per rush this year. They gave up 5.1 yards to three backup offensive linemen from the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, don't tell me that your defense, well, we're beat up. No, your defensive line got beat up. I mean, that's the fact. They, you know, the, none of their defensive linemen were making any plays. They couldn't make They weren't making any tackles. Yeah, and coming into the game when we were talking about it yesterday, your concern about Kansas City was how's their offensive line going to be able to hold up and the environment and hearing the challenge they're going to have. They ended up playing great against that defensive front for the Buffalo Bills. And so now we, we had a good conversation with NFL insider Albert Breer moments ago before we hit the break. And I, we were both asking him about potential changes for the Buffalo Bills moving forward. Like what is it ultimately going to take to get this team over the hump because they haven't been able to do it. And despite having the most wins over the last five years have yet to sniff a Super Bowl appearance. And and I thought he made a great point, but then he backed away from it. He said, you know, this happened in, this happened in Tampa Bay with Dungy. They just couldn't get over the hump in Tampa Bay. And then they went out and they hired Gruden and they got over the hump. I mean, I think to me, he's kind of right. I mean, are they, they have to take a look at this. If somebody in Buffalo's front office is going to be willing to look back and say, it's different but similar, what happened here happened last year. We got out muscled, we got out, we got pushed around. Now, you can blame it on the fact that Josh Allen made no passes past the line of scrimmage, that most of all his throws were within five yards of the line of scrimmage. I get all that. You know, I get all that. But at some point, the other team had the ball for just 22 minutes. Just 22 minutes. They averaged 7.7 per play. They averaged 6.1 per rush. It doesn't matter what time of possession is, especially when you're not in third down. I mean, think about it. How many games in your lifetime does the opponent only have five third downs? Crazy stat. Crazy stat. So so moving forward to, to next year, right? And part of that conversation is, okay, let's McDermott sticks around. He's doing play calling duties. A point that Albert made was that the roles of the coordinator positions and play callers on both sides of the ball are still relatively new. Of course, Joe Brady taking over for Ken Dorsey midseason. Does that continue? Do we see anybody get brought in potentially? I also thought it was super interesting that he said Joe Brady could be up for the Atlanta Falcons job after all the talk we've heard from outside candidates. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you get a hard time selling Joe Brady to the Atlanta fan base if when you Bill Belichick's out there. Mike Vrabel, <laughs> you could hire Belichick, Vrabel, Harbaugh, or even Pete Carroll. You could hire him, right? He wants to work. Pete Carroll wants to work. So, like, and you're going to settle on Joe Brady. And and really, if you peel back, and I'm not against Joe Brady, but they did this on the ground. This wasn't like a sophisticated passing game. I mean, they did, they ran the football. I mean, he had 39 attempts yesterday for 186 yards. Yeah. Um, so when we look ahead to um, the, the Lions now, the NFC side of things, where they come out huge, another emotional win. They had no letdown. They handled business against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. When you look at this Lions team, do you think that they are built well enough to beat the San Francisco 49ers to take this thing all the way up to the ultimate game? Well, physically and mentally, yes. Talent-wise, I'm not sure. I mean, this secondary is is very challenged. And we saw the Bucs who have really good receivers, and we saw Baker Mayfield throw for 350 against them. And I never felt like Detroit was in control of the game. Right. Detroit defensive front. I thought they would get a little bit more pressure inside on Baker. You know, I thought that they would create some problems. They didn't. Uh, I was shocked that Tampa was able to run the football effectively. They didn't call many runs. They only called 15 runs the whole day. Well, actually, they called 13. Baker scrambled twice. One of his runs was a run. But they, they and they got 5.9 yards to carry. Baker threw the ball effectively, missed some throws. I mean, Early, they had a drive in there where he had a guy wide open. He just overthrew it right before the fourth down play that he made a play on. So 
it's going to be a hard matchup for Detroit to shut down the 49er passing game if they can't get pressure. Green Bay got some pressure on Brock Purdy. Let's yeah. face it. It wasn't just all Brock Purdy playing poorly in the rain. Their offensive line kind of got it. I think it was a wake-up call. This will be a fun game, but I never feel like Detroit watching them against the Rams, watching them against the Bucks. I never felt like they were in control. I felt like they made plays to win the game, which demonstrates their mental toughness. I wasn't sure they ever got control of the game because the game books are really one-sided against against them. Right. It wasn't quite the same as like what we saw, for example, with the Ravens and Texans game where it was close and then they pull away and dominate. Like it didn't feel that same way for Detroit. Certainly agree with you there. But a lot of the things that you raised up as concerns against the 49ers, like I totally agree with with San Francisco that for as much as we want to talk about Brock Purdy and I do because I was very frustrated with how off target he looked was not placing the ball where you need to do so. He looked very much so mental in his head, but the offensive line wasn't protecting the way that they need to. The There were drops that were just ridiculous drops at times too. But so those are things I have concerns with. And defensively, what needs to get fixed, Michael? Because we have this view of what the 49ers defense is supposed to do and be, and they have not looked that way lately. No, they haven't. I mean, they, they clamped it down. They got better as the game went on. The first six drives of the game, they uh, Jordan Love was good. You know, 16 for 22, 168, two touchdowns. They moved the ball effectively. He was playing well. The last four drives, six for 12, 30 yards, not as good. They're front. You know, they only had six quarterback hits the whole day. Bosa had five of them. Yeah. They got nothing from their two inside guys, Hargrave and Armstead. They're paying big money for the tackles. Hargrave's over almost 20 million. So is Armstead. Chase Young really wasn't a factor in the game. Their front's got to play better. And if Detroit can run the football, which we saw the Packers run the ball, if they can run the ball and this front can't make, really can't make plays, you know, and Goff has time to throw the football where they can't speed Goff up, Detroit's going to be an effective team. There's no question. Detroit will move the ball. The problem is, can Detroit get stops? Can they get stops? Are they going to be able to create enough pressure and get some stops on Purdy, especially if it's if it's a nice day. And, you know, it's interesting. We talk about the Buffalo Bills and how they haven't lived up to expectations in the playoffs. For, for the 49ers, they still have yet to reach their ultimate goal, too. And they've been in this position for the last five years. They get to important games. But obviously last year, injuries, things fell apart for them in the NFC Championship. No Super Bowl rings to show for it yet. This is a really important season to see if they can close things out. We got to hit the break. We got to step into my office coming up next. Who Michael Lombardi is going to dole out some very important need to know advice to next. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. With Omaha Steaks, you'll fall in love at first bite with their tender steak, burgers, air-chilled chicken, and more. You're going to love every bite. It's an Omaha Steaks guarantee. And for a limited time, when you go to omahasteaks.com slash vsin, you'll get four free air-chilled boneless chicken breasts and boneless pork chops with your order. Minimum purchase may apply. Appointments are lined up. You waiting for somebody in there? You've got an appointment. And it's not about what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. It's not personal. It's strictly business. It's time you and me had a private talk where step into my office. It's step into my office with Michael Lombardi. Mr. Lombardi, we'll see you now. Mr. Lombardi, we'll see you now. Josh Allen. Now, whether you are somebody who believes it's on Josh Allen or not, the fact of the matter is 0-4 against Mahomes and Burrow in the playoffs, 5-0 against everybody else. His bills are now tied for the most wins in a five-year span without a Super Bowl appearance. What can Josh Allen do, Michael, to help his team take that gotta-have-it step and get over the hump? Well, I mean, there's nothing more he can do, right? I mean, the reality of it is, is you're a great player. You play well. I think this whole notion that, you know, you're not able to win the big game or you're just match up, you've got to ignore that noise. Like, one thing you know about sports, pro football, it takes a team. It takes a village. It takes everybody working together. It takes a lot of great players working in unison. And and I think if you get caught up into the whole reality that, you know, you can't beat Mahomes. This is not about Mahomes. You're competing with yourself. You're not competing with the Chiefs. This is about the Buffalo Bills. And I think what you need to do is you really need to sit down with your head coach or with the owner, whomever, and really try to understand why you can't get over the hump. Like, what is causing us to lose these games? Instead of sitting there and personalizing it, can you play better? Sure. Could you play better? No doubt. Everybody needs to improve. But the reality of it is, is I really think you have to answer the fundamental question, why? And a lot of it is, why aren't we good enough when it comes time to do those things? Is it coaching? Is it players? Is it scheme? And I think the lack of physicality within your team, playing in Western New York in cold weather, the last two times you've played outdoors in a, in a playoff atmosphere, the Cincinnati Bengals, who don't have any interest in running the football, average 5.1 a carry. And the Kansas City Chiefs, who have a slightly more interest, average 6.1 a carry and control the game up front. And until you get to that point in your career where you can control the game up front offensively and defensively, you can't carry the team. So you can't spend the whole offseason wondering what you could do better. I think you're going to have to ask yourself, what can we all do better? And that starts with everybody in the building. Yeah, and while the Josh Allen haters are out in full force today, a lot of those issues you just brought up have nothing to do with him. It's about coaching and personnel and what you do with those players that you bring in. How about Mike McCarthy, head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, who after a tremendously bad collapse in the wild card round, it was announced that he will be back as head coach of the Dallas Cowboys for that last season on his contract. He told reporters this week he's confident in the direction of the Cowboys Cowboys adding, quote, I know how to win 14 years ago. You sure did in the regular season. You appear to go for it. But playoffs present day, not so sure, Michael. So what's the most pressing pressing issue that McCarthy needs to solve this offseason so that this team can have success when it matters the most? 
I think, Mike, what, what you have to do is come to the realization that Dak Prescott is a good player who's overpaid. And Dak Prescott can't be a 50-pass game guy. Now, there may be some times we do it, but we're going to have to get back to being better in the offensive line. We've got to get back to becoming a better run team. And Tony Pollard, unfortunately, has not been the same player since his knee injury. And so for you, you've done a great job of reducing the game. You've played less defense, but we know this, your defense isn't great. And if Quinn doesn't get the job, you're going to have to fix the defense because Quinn's going to come in there and you're going to have to change what you do defensively. And it's going to be on you to be the head coach to make those tough decisions. And this isn't just about players. It's about scheme, too. And to be able to win in the playoffs, much like Buffalo, you're going to have to go figure out why, why you don't win in the playoffs, why you start slow, why you took Green Bay for granted. I think it's going to require a complete autopsy, and you've got to come back different. You've got to come back and change. Because if you think doing more of the same or we're close, we just got to get a little bit better, that never works. Yeah, and that's why he hasn't gotten an extension. This is a prove-it year for Mike McCarthy in the final year of his deal. Let's keep it in the NFC. San Francisco 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy, despite the win against Green Bay, no question looked shaky for the majority of that game in the weather. While he led the league in QBR throughout the course of the year, since that rough loss on Christmas Day to the Baltimore Ravens, Purdy has four picks and just three passing touchdowns. What does he need to hear to get right for Sunday's NFC title game against the Lions? He just needs to play within himself. Take the profits, take what's coach given you, and don't try to play outside your comfort zone. And really focus on the fact that you let him on a drive that won the game. I mean, you, whatever happens during the game doesn't matter. Your mental toughness showed up. You brought them down the field. You made a great throw to Jennings over the middle of the field. You did the things you had to do to win the game. And take a lot of pride in that. Don't let the naysayers say you can't play. Like, build off the positivity. Don't build off the negativity. That's going to be the key. Because you're going to have a lot of easy throws against Detroit. They're not going to engage you in man-to-man. -man, and you've got to be very comfortable throwing the football. And anything that enters into your mind from the past is only going to hurt you in the future. So for me, you played well enough to win the game. It wasn't your A game. It wasn't your B game. But it was a win game. And that's all that matters. And you got to figure out how to win the next one. And there's going to be a lot of opportunity against this Detroit defense. We were talking earlier to move the football. That line now sitting up to seven right now. 49ers laying the touchdown total 51. Let's go out to Philadelphia. Owner of the Eagles, oh Jeffrey Lurie, of course, had to witness that one in six finish to the season. A rough final game in the wild card round. Head coach Nick Sirianni was supposed to have a conversation with him, lay out a plan. Reports today indicate the Eagles have fired their demoted D.C. and Sean Desai, as well as their interim play caller, Matt Patricia, also moving on. What does Lurie need to demand from Nick Sirianni and the coaching staff to feel comfortable running it back with this group? Well, he needs to give them a comprehensive reason why they didn't correct the problems during the year. And if he was watching the games yesterday and he watched Kansas City earlier in the year, a coach that he fired, a coach that he likes and respects, they had a great career together in Philadelphia, changed and made the necessary adjustments that had to happen. And Nick didn't do that. And so you're going to have to explain, as you are the game planner of the offense, even though you don't call the offense, why we weren't able to block a blitz. Why is it going to be different next year? How are we going to change things? We can change people. We can change the furniture in the office. That doesn't mean we're going to change the production. And I think Nick's got to really show Jeff Lurie, like, what is the conduit to change? And it's not just about players. It's about how we call the game, how we adjust the game, and how we practice. And I believe this, he's going to have to answer what is going on with the strength and conditioning there because we were not in great shape. We were not fundamentally sound. So what can we do? And he's going to have to explain this to Jeffrey Lurie. What can he do to improve his practice habits and their ability to improve during the season, which is the most vital part 
of any team. And we know the expe- expectations in Philadelphia are high, especially coming off of a Super Bowl appearance the way they did last year. Let's go to Jordan Love, a, a young quarterback who had to fill really, really difficult shoes with Aaron Rodgers moving on in his first full season as a starter. Ended up leading his team to the divisional round, a close game with the Super Bowl favorite, but had a couple costly interceptions, including the one that sealed the game for San Francisco. He's expected to negotiate a contract extension this offseason, which could make him one of the higher paid NFL quarterbacks around the league, Michael. So what does Love need to improve on for him to take that next step and earn at that type of contract? as a franchise QB. Bill Walsh used to tell all great young quarterbacks, the first year is your year to get used to everything. The second year is your huge jump year. And this is going to be the most important year of your career. You've got to make huge incremental progress in every single area. You need to take everything that you've done this year from the game one to the last game, and you need to go over it in detail. And you need to study everything you did well, everything you did wrong. And you need to improve on what you did well, and you need to strengthen what you did wrong. And you need to be in that weight room. You need to be in that facility. You need to be working hard to show people that you're not going to be content because you just got to race. Because that's what's going to look like. That's what it looks like in Philadelphia. You know, Jalen Hurts just got a huge contract. All of a sudden, it's not the same. You've got to dispel that myth immediately. And it's all through your work habits, which you'll do. But you've got to improve. To me, the greatest step any player makes is from year one to year two. And you have to do that. And that's on you. Because the rules won't let you. And then you've got to be able to tell the floor what you want to run, how you want to run things, what you feel like is the best interest for your program on how you best execute the offense and go from there and strengthen it. And don't listen to all the great talk because all those people talking positively about you four years ago were wondering why the hell you got drafted. Yeah. And I know he made a couple of, of big mistakes in that game, obviously, but the way he played the back end of the year was extremely impressive. And the 49ers escaped with one because while I think San Francisco is the better team, big picture, Green Bay looked like the better team to me that day. We're going to step aside. More Lombardi line coming up. VEASAN's own Mike Pritchard joining the show next. This is the Lombardi line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VEASAN, the sports betting network morning with a daily dose of winning strategies, insider tips, and the latest buzz with the free VEASAN daily newsletter. You get expert analysis and the latest odds delivered straight to your inbox absolutely free every single morning. VEASAN.com slash newsletter is where you can subscribe. Of course, this morning, breaking down everything we witnessed last night in the divisional round as it came to a close in a heavyweight fight between the Buffalo Bills and Kansas City Chiefs that KC came out on top of yet again as they're heading to a sixth straight AFC championship to help us break down everything this weekend. We bring in great friend of the show, Mike Pritchard, VEASAN NFL analyst, spent nearly a decade in the National Football League as a wide receiver. Happy to have you on as always. And you can get him for the full two hours every Friday on the Lombardi line. Welcome in, Pritch. How are we doing? Stormy, Michael, I'm doing great. Uh, great to be with you. Uh, happy to have Kansas City. Uh, Femi and I on Friday, I think we were oppo. Uh, in, the, in that regard for that big game. But uh, happy to have Patrick Mahomes uh, come out on top in that one. Well, and Michael, you uh, were Mike, too. <laughs> yeah, I was too. Mike, I want to ask you, what was your initial reaction when you watched Andy Reid running the football as much as he was running it in this game? You know, my initial reaction is that, you know, that's all they had left, to be honest with you, Michael. Um, they don't really have an explosive vertical passing game uh, without Tariq Hill. They they matriculated last year to a Super Bowl championship, uh, but they had sure-handed uh, wide receivers, and, and certainly Kelsey was a big factor. And Patrick Mahomes from the pocket was as uh, as good as ever. Uh, this year, it, it's they're trying to search for it. They're trying to find that consistency. Rice got banged up, uh, which was interesting. So they had nothing left but to run the football, uh, and for them to uh, be able to run the football effectively to set up play action to get Buffalo out of that too high safety, the comfort zone that they like to play uh, defensively and, and certainly have one more person in the box that allowed some matchups to kind of materialize too. And uh, we saw Patrick Mahomes kind of take advantage of that. Uh, but yeah, I, they were down to it, Michael. I, w- I was shocked that Buffalo 
uh, couldn't couldn't stop the run. If they could, then I think Buffalo would have won that game. And there's a lot of things, unfortunately, that Buffalo couldn't do, including win the game. <laughs> and it's it's one of those things, Bridge, that every year we come into it talking about how Buffalo is a Super Bowl contender. Josh yeah. Allen is an MVP favorite, and then it never ends up matriculating to wins in the postseason when it matters most. How do they fix this? How do they get over the hump, or can they? Um, well, Stormy, you know, coming into the year, I, I thought. Buffalo was was set up to uh, regress a little bit, which they did. Uh, they got it right along the way, and they fixed some things offensively. They started running the ball more. Uh, they got closer to 50-50 uh, pass run ratio, about 55-45, which helped out Josh Allen. Um, but defensively, they were older, uh, and they lacked depth, right? Uh, and then also, you got a lot of impending free agents on that roster, too. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't know which way it was going to go, whether they were going to band together or whether, you know, this was their last ride. They're going to start looking for money. The way that Stefan Diggs was chirping at the beginning of the year, it just seemed like, 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 like that locker room was divided a little bit. Uh, but they held it together. Uh, they went on a run. But I, I think this was it. They, they have to rebuild. They have to get younger. Uh, they have to get more dynamic uh, defensively. Uh, they have a franchise quarterback they can build around. So it, it will become easier and I think they can do it sooner than later. Uh, but they're going to have to kind of drastically change on that defense side of the ball, uh, considering what we watched uh, Buffalo the last few years. Uh, let's go to the, uh, the Detroit Tampa game. Was your reaction watching that game? You weren't sure who was going to win the game. I mean, to me, it was, it was, I almost felt like it was Tampa's game and they just couldn't close it out. Right. They, they couldn't, you know, I was on the fence going into that one, whether to take the points or, or lay it with Buffalo. Um, I mean, excuse me, with, with Detroit, I uh, kind of just stayed away from that one, but uh, no, I, I, it was, it was one of those games where you don't trust Buffalo's defense, excuse me, Detroit's defense. Uh, I got Buffalo on the head, right in the head right now, but uh, Detroit uh, it didn't trust their defense, but they did enough, you know, to kind of make things difficult at times. Uh, for Tampa, who didn't really want to run the football. I thought Bowles was going to do a lot more to take away the middle of the field for golf, uh, but he didn't do that. Uh, golf c- continued to drive the football in the middle of the field, uh, and he was able to connect and make some big plays to kind of uh, cement that game away. But yeah, it, it was there for Tampa. I mean, there, there were some more plays to be made and some more throws that that I sure Baker want back wants back, but uh, all in all, it, it turned out to be one of those type of games back and forth there uh, to where, you know, Detroit was just going to pull away. I mean, it, that's why I was on a fence with it. I mean, Tampa needed the turnovers, but they turned the ball over and, and that did them in in that game, Michael. Well, and so now they're going to be in a little bit of a different role because they go from laying six and a half, seven points to getting it as an underdog. They go from playing at home in that crazy environment at Ford Field to having to go on the road to play San Francisco. And it seems like people, at least early, have been taking the points with Detroit, yet we see that number go up to seven. So what does that tell you? Well, I, I these are identical systems to me and schemes. So you're going to be so familiar with what, each team is doing. In other words, you know, you practice against all this stuff and, and the dress up and the unique formations, the unique personnel groupings. Uh, and you do that all year long, or at least through training camp. And then you start getting specific with game planning. I, I just think these two teams are so familiar, kind of like green Bay and, and San Francisco. Right. Uh, but from a personnel standpoint, who can feature their matchups better than the other ones. Yeah. The way that golf is playing, he loves his matchups. He loves the middle of the field and certainly they're able to run it as well. Uh, that's going to be formidable. I, I think that that gets Detroit a chance to get inside this number. If, if you like taking the points here. Uh, and, but the other side of it, Stormy is, you know, golf outside. Is he going to wear two gloves? Is he going <laughs> to go out there with one glove? I mean, he's got small hands, you know, and, you know, he can't drive the ball. If he can't drive the ball, I think he lacks a lot of confidence, but they can fall back on the running game. And we saw San Francisco give up a lot of uh, yards on the ground uh, in, in, in their last matchup too. So I, this one, I, I'm leaning towards Detroit early on, uh, certainly because of the fact that they can be dynamic uh, and they're so familiar with what San Francisco wants to do. Uh, and, and if you ask me, Brock Purdy has to play a lot better, not just a little better, a lot better than he did last time out. What was more surprising to you, the the Chiefs dominating the Bills offensive line or the 49ers not putting pressure on the Packers line? 
The 49ers not putting pressure on the Packers. Uh, one of the things I talked about with Femi on Friday on your show, uh, Michael, was the fact that, um, you know, you look at Jordan Love, they only had, he only had 30 sacks. I mean, he gets rid of the football. Uh, and I'm watching uh, Bosa primarily on the defensive left side. He's going to go up against Penny Sewell, Penny Sewell. And, you know, it, unless they switch him, right? Unless they put him on the defense's right side. But I don't know if his knee... I don't know why he's already predominantly on the left side of the defense rushing from that side, uh, the front side of a quarterback. But uh, if he's going up against Sewell, that, that kind of neutralizes Bosa. And, you know, I don't know if San Francisco gets pressure uh, on the quarterback like they want to without bringing pressure, right? And uh, we saw how susceptible their defensive backs are uh, to explosive players too. So uh, definitely more surprised that they couldn't get pressure on the quarterback against Green Bay. Yeah, you also had no problem talking about those DBs saying Highway 20 was open and you were <laughs> dead was. on. I, As a 49ers fan, Pritch, you have no idea how much I was screaming at the television this weekend. It was absurd. But like, all you have to do is, is target Embry Thomas. You're going to get a PI call. He's going to do something stupid. He can't make a tackle. It drives me insane. Yeah, yeah. We when I, I played with, um, and Michael knows this guy, Tim McHire. Um, oh, he was in Atlanta. Though. Yeah, right, right. Uh, won a lot of Super Bowls, uh, but we called him wrong way because he was cross-eyed, right? Uh, and so it, it was kind of crazy uh, to think about this in terms of, you know, which highway is going to be open, it, especially on our team, because we had primetime on one side. That highway was shut down, right? But yeah. T-Rack, that highway was wide open a lot of times. And uh, so, yeah, we got, had fun with that, uh, with number 20. Uh, and you know, war too, a little bit. I mean, he had a good play in the red zone, but, uh, he was susceptible on some plays as well. Look, uh, highway 20. He also wouldn't tackle too. That was one of the things <laughs> when we drafted him, when we drafted Tim, I can uh -huh. remember Ray Rhodes saying, coach Walsh asked him, said, should we take Tim? It was in the third round. We had yeah. taken Tom Rathman. We were taking Jer John Taylor and we took Tim McHire. Not a bad third round. And Ray right. Bob says to Coach Walsh, Ronnie will make him tackle. Ronnie, will, <laughs> he won't come back to the huddle if he don't tackle with Ronnie in the huddle. And that was true. Uh, yeah, yeah. T-Mac, give him, I give him a ton of credit because he won Super Bowls with you guys. And then certainly he won one with the uh, Broncos, too, in the right place at the right time. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> just trying to run a route against that guy. And you didn't know which way he was looking because he was cross-eyed and that made things difficult for a wide receiver. I'm going to put you on the spot. 30 seconds, which team remaining is the most dangerous and who's the most vulnerable? What you got? Um, the most dangerous, I think, are the Ravens because they can do so much offensively uh, and that defense is ferocious. Uh, the most vulnerable, uh, I think San Francisco. I'm sorry to say that because uh, I know that's your team, Stormy, but uh, uh, yeah. They, you had they, to end I it mean, on that note, Rich. I did only, well, only because of Brock. Brock Purdy has to be a better quarterback uh, earlier on in, in the game. I think you're dead on about the Ravens, though, which is is why the more I think about it, I think that Baltimore should be the rightful favorite at this point. Pritch, you're awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thank Pritch. you. Thank you. Have a great day. And you know, awesome. I got to leave loosely after that comment about San Francisco. I've got to debate a lot of my life choices now. We'll be right back. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. 
players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL postseason, is bringing you an offer that'll help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet five bucks on any of these games and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code VSIN only on DraftKings Sportsbook. Again, that code VSIN. The crown is yours. We're wrapping things up here on the Lombardi line alongside Michael Lombardi. Stormy Bond and Tony with you. The two game options this weekend, of course, coming up in the conference championships, where both of the top seeds did make it on the Baltimore Ravens will be a three-point favorite against the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. Total in that one, 44 and a half. And San Francisco laying seven against Detroit. Total 51. Despite as Thomas Gable told us earlier on the program, Michael, he said it's about double the tickets that are coming in at this point on Detroit early taking the points. Yet across the country, we're seeing that number tick up to seven. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Detroit's going to be the popular play here right by the public I, I think to me you know when the euphoria the crowd all those things that go into it right are going to drive the market towards Detroit but as Thomas Gable said earlier in the show the the the, the people that handicap this and their power rankings they really don't change they haven't changed their power rankings I mean the Niners didn't play well you could say the same thing about Baltimore in the first half they didn't play well but eventually Baltimore got it going. And whatever you want to say about the 49er game, the last drive of the game, now Big Daddy said it was a classic Joe Barry drive. I mean, <laughs> I, only he would know, right? But to me, they made the plays that they had to make, you know? And so I think to me, you got to put that game behind you. It's a different element. This Detroit defense is really, when Sean McVay gets back from wherever he went and he looks at his tape and the Bucks look at their tape. They left a lot of stuff on the field, and they moved the ball quite a bit on them. Like the like, I don't think you know how I break the wins down into categories: uh, dominating, to, uh, uh, dictating, and then dangerous. I, I I know they won. They weren't dangerous wins. They were wins that they dictated the end of the game when they had to, and they've done it two weeks in a row. And I think that's going to be a hard thing to do. The one thing I do know about Detroit. If this stays under seven, the 49ers cannot stop scoring. Yep. They're going to, just like Detroit, you knew Detroit wasn't going to settle for a field goal there to go up 10. They were going to make sure they went up 14 and they needed it, right? They needed it. Yep, got to put that foot on the gas. But that leads us to our pro tip of the hour. We do these every single day, every show here at VEASAN, giving free betting advice out. And, and this one just being throw out your recency bias and public sides in your handicap. When it comes to a lot of these things, the public already rushed into the counter to bet the Detroit Lions. Yet we're seeing that money go up, that number tick up where the 49ers are laying seven now. And I, I love what you said there when it comes to this Detroit team. That final score is probably a little bit misleading to what we actually saw on the football field against Tampa. 
and everybody looks at the slow start for the San Francisco 49ers last week and a young quarterback making his first playoff appearance against this highly touted Super Bowl favorite team and probably should have won that game. I get it. But I think that, and I said it yesterday on the show too, I think that game was such a wake-up call for the San Francisco 49ers teams. There are a lot of opportunity when it comes to that Detroit Lions defense for San Francisco to take advantage. I see them winning this game by double digits. I am not scared of it at all, and I understand why the line has moved to seven. Yeah, I mean, I think to me, when you know Kyle Shanahan has a week to prepare for a bad defense, you know this game's got a chance to get into the 30s, right? And you could say, well, the Packers are a bad defense. Well, that Packers front was giving them some problems. Power is always going to give San Francisco's offensive line power trouble because they're not a big physical line. They're more of a zone-blocking line. And not that Trent Williams, he can play anywhere. But that's kind of the way this goes. So for me, you know, he's got time. And the one thing a coach wants more than ever, and I don't think we really give this enough credibility in the betting market is – when a team wins and doesn't play well and they have so much at stake, they're going to play their best game next week. Like, they're not going to fall right. flat on their face. Like, Detroit's – Dan Campbell's got to rein them in. And they're riding high. And you say, well, they got great momentum. I, I got they got great momentum. But they're also going to play against a really good offense. Like, nobody thought Tampa Bay was a really good offense considering they scored nine points against the Panthers in the last game and the Saints shut them down. Okay, the Saints shut him down. Now, you could say, well, Mayfield was hurt. I got that. I got that. He didn't get hurt until the Saint game. So this, this, this offense of Tampa, although they have weapons, they have been in control. This San Francisco team now, with or without Debo, will move the football. Yeah. I agree with you. And I, I think that, like, I hope I don't end up eating my words when I say, like, I thought that the Packers were a more challenging opponent than the Detroit Lions are going to be. And that's just that's just the way that I feel. That is what I have conviction in, is that the 49ers are going to win this game. And I don't think that it's going to be one that comes down to a field goal. I just don't. I think that this is a double-digit win for the San Francisco 49ers. Meanwhile, Mike Pritchard, who was just on the program moments ago, much as I love Pritch, he thinks that the 49ers are the most vulnerable team of the four remaining. Who do you think is the most vulnerable and the most dangerous remaining? I think the I think the Lions are the most vulnerable because in the two stat sheets that we've seen, they haven't really won. Like you could sit there and say, well, the Rams could should have won that game. We said it after the game. You could have said Tampa should have won that game. To me, that's vulnerability. They won the game, and you give them all the credit in the world. They won the game because they made the plays when they had to make the plays. Full full support. They did exactly what they had to do. Right. I'm not discrediting them. But there's vulnerability within that game book. There's vulnerability within those two games. They were on the cusp of losing them. They really were. And they played great in the red zone. They were able to hold them off. So I'm not ready to sit there and say, oh, you know, they're, they're hot. They're going to, no, they're vulnerable. And quite, I think Baltimore's sorry, just before you, before you, the best team. Yeah, before you dive into Baltimore, um, just to close out that thought on the Lions, I think a big reason too why we're seeing so much, so many of these tickets come in on Detroit early is because at this point, if you don't have a dog in the fight, if you don't have anybody in the race left, you want the Lions to win, right? Like they right. are the best story remaining. Who wouldn't want to see this team that hasn't won in a Super Bowl period, but an NFL championship since the fifties? How would you not want to root for this team? I totally get it from that standpoint. Does that mean they're going to win? No, but I get it from a narrative standpoint. Now, go ahead. Say what you're going to say about Baltimore. Well, I, I think Baltimore is a dangerous team because yeah. Baltimore is very complimentary. Their defense complements their offense. And, you know, yesterday when you were watching the game, it was like as if that was the AFC championship game, the way they were talking. If I were Lamar sitting at home watching that game, I would be like, is anybody going to pay me any attention? <laughs> like, is anybody going to sit here and tell me I'm good? Like, they're just talking about Allen and Mahomes and Mahomes and Allen. Lamar. Lamar's good. You know, we won't get this narrative out of our head that, well, Lamar with a three-point. No, that's all from the past. That has nothing to do with Lamar today. This is a completely different offense today than it was under Greg Roman. They've got better weapons. They're going to get Andrews back to go with likely. They can get in 12 personnel and cause you problems. They can be in 11 and cause I mean. It's Lamar, and he's sitting there, and we're treating him like, you know, it's just no big deal. You know, you know, and, and it's a big deal. Trust me. 
you know, we haven't had the the playoff matchups, obviously, with Lamar and Mahomes the way that we've had with with Mahomes and Allen. But when CBS opens the broadcast yesterday and says, hey, maybe this is the the Brady Manning that we're going to see year in and year out like. Lamar Jackson actually has the resume like this is the seventh. That was the seventh meeting yesterday between those two. Right. In seven meetings for Manning and Brady. At that point, Brady had already won multiple titles and multiple MVPs. Manning had multiple MVPs. Josh Allen doesn't have any of those things yet. Mahomes does. And Lamar Jackson's got his soon to be second MVP. Right. Exactly. That's what I I kept sitting there watching this. I'm like, I know CBS has got to promote this game. I get it. But the matchup is, it's Lamar and Mahomes. Yeah. It's, it's those two guys are the two guys who are winning MVPs. Allen, I think he's a great player. Agree. I, I, and I think if he had the right system around him, he would be, you know, like, again, let's go back to it. All you people that sit there that, that tweet me Belichick's record without Brady, I want to know why Josh Allen hasn't won five Super Bowls already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Josh Allen, uh, he's only even been to the one AFC title game. And again, big fan. I think that he is a remarkable athletic talent, but he doesn't have the, what do we, I guess we call it the top line of the resume, right? Lamar Jackson has it. He's about to have two MVPs. Josh Allen, we don't, we don't have anything at the top of the resume for him right now other than division titles. It, it, and it's so shallow on Lamar. The first half, everybody on Twitter, everybody, was, oh, it's typical Lamar in the playoffs. No. It was they didn't adjust. They needed to adjust to the game plan. It wasn't anything to do with Lamar. It had everything to do with the game plan. Once they started to change the game plan, anybody complaining about Lamar? Yeah, give my guy credit for the four touchdown day. Okay, he's out here doing things nobody else is doing right now. And to your point, adjusted. That was a bad first half. They were not expecting the amount of blitzing that they had coming their way. Adjusted and dominated the rest of the way. Great show today, Michael. You're the man. I'll Thanks, see you tomorrow. Bye bye. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.